to another episode of Anger Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion. I'm your host, Amanda Starling, here to talk to you about all things intersectional feminism, DIY, and of course the music. I hope everyone is doing okay and staying safe. It's been a challenging week for many of us, especially for members of the Asian American community. I was devastated when I woke up to the news that Asian women were targeted in brutal attacks in Atlanta. We are living in a time where the Asian community has suffered through extreme hate speech which has in turn led to violence against them in the streets and their workplaces. For too long, racists have been enabled by horrible leadership that signaled to them that violence was tolerable and worse, encouraged. It's up to us as a community to push back on racist rhetoric and prop up the Asian American community. We as a country benefit so deeply from their culture and work, and it's essential that we support them right now. If you're able, please consider donating to funds for the families or to the networks that are fighting for AAPI. There's a link in the show notes that details many of the actions you can take to support. And if you can't donate, just please consider following and supporting Asian creators and artists on your favorite social apps. Giving platforms and supporting people is everything. And just amplifying their voices, especially right now, is critical. We know how important it is to do that on this podcast, so let's do that for everyone all the time, please. Okay, so let's shift over to this week's guest. I'm joined by Sarah, who is at the front for the brilliant Antonioni. This band is all things creative, clever, and all about personal power in their self-titled debut album. Antonioni's record is such a beautiful reclamation of power and everything that impacts that. And it's also personal, too. So it's no wonder this record is so connective. Sarah joined this week to talk about the band's origins, her influences, designing the space for each of the songs, Guitar Fridays, and so much more. So with that, let's hear some music by Antonioni and then hear from Sarah. 
Well, welcome, Sarah, to Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion. How are things going lately? Not bad. Not bad. That's good to hear. I'm I'm talking to you ahead of your record dropping here at the end of March. So this is super exciting. How are you feeling about it? It feels kind of surreal. Like, um, it's just kind of funny because you you hear these songs or at least me, I've heard these songs billions of times almost. And I sometimes I forget it's not even out yet. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of exciting because I'm, you know, it gets to a point where you're not even wondering Mm -hmm. what people are going to say or think, if that makes sense. So like I've, I've gone this long without even thinking about that. And now that you're actually sharing and you're getting the feedback, it kind of reminds you like, I don't know. It's a, it's a funny way to be making albums is funny. I don't know if that makes sense, but having, having had it for so long, like I think we've almost had it for probably almost two years now. Um, I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited to finally put it out. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Cause I feel like when you're kind of holding on to your art like that, it probably feels a little bit like you're holding on to a secret with just your bandmates and like whoever's helping you release the record yeah. at that point. <laughs> so to ha- finally have that out, that'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh, it's like, keep it like a secret. One of the best albums. Um, yeah, it is <laughs> kind of like that, except yeah, I guess like I was saying, sometimes you feel like, oh, I, I like I already made that album. Like <laughs> I already heard these songs, but it's because like, again, like I, I really kind of forget about or I guess when I'm making stuff, I really sometimes I'm not thinking about um, put what it's going to be like to put it out. I don't know if that makes sense. I just love making stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, now we're in the putting it out phase. Oh, which is cool. totally different. <laughs> yeah. The processes are very different, but um, I kind of want to learn a little bit more about you here. Um, tell me about how you first began to find yourself loving music and wanting to play and create it. Oh yeah. Actually I saw today is Kurt Cobain's birthday. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Or what is today? Yeah. February 20th. Um, when I was 12, I bought a guitar. Um, actually, I had an, someone who was really close to me passed away, and she kind of like got me into music a little bit, and I got some of her CDs and stuff. But I was like, I got some money uh, from her when she died, and I was like, I'm gonna buy a guitar. And uh, I found. Nirvana and really just music was what I turned to when that person died. It helped me um, find that I could express myself or, or just seeing that people were specifically Nirvana. <laughs> I was a big Nirvana fan. Yeah. Seeing like he was expressing his grief and his anger and all this. And it was just very intuitive. Like I just turned to it, you know, the emotions and, and all that. Um, so that's how I got started. And then I just, immediately fell in love um loved playing um I didn't start writing until a few years after that but um yeah it's been it's been a lifelong passion Mm -hmm. music and I like I played in band too before that and I was like playing clarinet and stuff and saxophone uh in the school band but um yeah I just always loved it 
So that's kind of how I got started just as a kid who needed an outlet. I didn't even know I needed, but you know, once you found it, once you find something like that, you don't stop, you know, now I'm 32 and almost 32. And it's crazy to think, wow, that's going to be like 20 years of playing guitar. I don't know how much better I've gotten, but <laughs> um, yeah, it's like a lifelong thing for me. That's really awesome. And I love that Nirvana was a part of that experience. I feel like that band has helped so many people learn how to like express their emotions in general, much less like in music. So, right. Yeah. So it's so important to have that, especially whenever you're going through anything in life, honestly. So it's great that you kind of had that outlet. Did you ever practice like Nirvana songs at all just to kind of teach yourself? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure the first song I ever played, it was definitely a Nirvana song. I think it was. It was either on a plane or Penny Royalty. I don't remember. But yeah, no. Oh, all the time. I probably learned all as many as I could. <laughs> and then when, when I was in college, I tried to learn as many Elliott Smith songs as I could. Like I was all about playing other people's songs for a long time, especially when I wasn't performing yet, you know, or just playing at open mics. Mm-hmm. I did like I, I tried to cover everyone. When I found an artist I loved, I would try to learn all their songs like Neutral Milk Hotel. I learned that whole album is it's just it's really fun Sufjan tried to learn all his songs um but yeah Nirvana definitely definitely were there ever any times where you felt like maybe when you started to approach writing your own music you're starting to feel kind of some influence of those artists that you were performing at like the open mics or just practicing with um when I first started performing well when it came to writing I didn't start writing till I started listening to Elliot Smith, which is, I'm just, I feel like I'm just knocking out all the stereotypes, but <laughs> it's really true. I just yeah. became obsessed. Um, so, oh, there's a cat outside my window. Sorry. That's oh, I okay. Love this cat. <laughs> she never lets me get near her because she oh. comes into our yard. Anyways, uh, <laughs> so, so there was definitely kind of, um, I think when you're learning how to do something, especially writing, Mm -hmm. it's, it's very natural to mimic or um, borrow, you know? So I definitely learned, that's how you learn. Uh, I learned, you know, like pop song structures and stuff like that from listening to not just Elliot Smith, of course, but um, a bunch of stuff. Honestly, even I remember my music teacher pointing I went totally off your question. Sorry, but I remember my music teacher pointing out something that Green Day did. And I'll never forget that he, when he showed me this, because it blew my mind when it came to writing. It was the song Holiday um, on uh, American Idiot. It had just come out and he was like, if you listen to what they did, because I was trying to write something and couldn't figure out where to go. He was like, Green Day does this all the time. They just took the chords of the verse and rearranged them, played them backwards and that's the chorus. And I was like, what the fuck? They did. And they do in a lot of their songs. But anyways, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, if you play enough and you try to learn, you know, from other artists, you learn what to do and you get better. Um, so, 
it's even now when we went to the studio, um, I listened to artists who I wanted to, um, you know, borrow things like to, to, if I liked how they were portraying certain things, like especially vocals, because vocals have always been a struggle for me. Um, I listened to a lot of JSOM mm. literally in the vocal booth, like listening to JSOM and then turning it off and then doing my take, which sounds kind of like, oh, are you fucking copying? Like, no, it's more just like, like I was saying, if you like what they're doing and you want to get like that, that feel and you want to make it your own, you have to listen to it. Um, yeah. So I listened to a lot of JSON when it came to vocals for this record and uh, Japanese breakfast. Um, probably some others I'm not even thinking of, but yeah, it all like when I, when I'm the person looking back, I can see like, I can see where I took, you know, how Kurt Cobain flexed his voice and did the cracks and stuff and how I tried to make that my own. With me, it comes out a little bit more yodely, almost like a Julie kind of thing. But I know that's because I listened to a shit ton of Kurt Cobain, you know, and I loved what he did. It, I sound nothing like him, obviously, but um, I can see the pieces that I wanted to take, you know, when the influences. Um, I don't know if I answered the question. <laughs> oh, you did, honestly. And it's so neat that you have so many people that have kind of shaped you as an artist in that sense, because um, Jason and Japanese breakfast are fantastic reference points. I feel like when you really want to start to stretch yourself as a vocalist, like, and as a performer too. So that's really neat to know. As a songwriter. Were... Yeah. Yeah. Jason's, oh uh, in my opinion, underrated genius. Forever but underrated I'll, I'll at say this that. point. <laughs> yeah. I'll always say that like, <laughs> there's something there's, there's some genius there to her albums. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. It's great to kind of hear these pieces that kind of shaped you as a musician. I always find that so interesting because I'm one of those people that loves mm -hmm. to kind of go back and listen to the records and the music again and be like, Ooh, can I find that little bit of influence <laughs> within the artist and that song? So yeah. that's, that's so much fun to me to go back and do. So thank you so it's much for, for sharing that. Yeah. There's even more. I haven't even <laughs> stated, but yeah, no, I, um, it is fun. Cause to me, that's what music is. It's and art in general, it's whether or not people want to admit it, mm -hmm. it's all very collaborative. It's all, it's all somewhat, um, what's the word I'm looking for? There's a fancy word for it, but just, but basically just pulling pieces from other things, you mm -hmm. know? And it doesn't, if you force that, it's, or if you are shameless about it, it's not going to sound right. You know, of course there's ma making it, there's something to making it your own, but um, I don't know. I've just always um, tried to embrace that instead of pushing it away and even um, just acknowledge it because um, it just doesn't, it, to me, it doesn't mean a lot to try to say I'm the most original you know, uh, perfect fucking musician, songwriter. Uh, I'm a unicorn. I feel like there is that um, sense of entitlement sometimes 
if you hang around enough musicians and I'm not shit talking to anyone, it's happened to me too. I'm sure many times you write something, you're like, fuck, I'm so good. And then, (laughs) and then just, it only takes a few minutes to humble yourself and, and realize you're not making any shit. You're not reinventing the wheel and you don't have to. It's something I used to, or I'm kind of teaching now, but I used to teach and, uh, it's something I always tried to tell my students like who were struggling with writing is just like as much as people try to when you only see the final draft Mm -hmm. you don't know what went into that you know what I'm saying you don't see the struggles and the edits that had to go into that um and it's it makes you a stronger writer or artist or whatever in my opinion Mm-hmm. if um, you can kind of acknowledge that a little bit, that a final draft has so much in it and so much that um, helped to make it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just kind of, I'll get off my high horse, but I'm just trying to say <laughs> like, for me personally, um, when it comes to like making music and trying to take art seriously, like it's just so much more fun to talk about um, what what went into making it and what influences kind of help to uh, bring it to life. Absolutely, because there's always something there. There's always something that kind of just, it pushes you to the next level too whenever you let kind of influences kind of be shared and known because it's like, oh, cool, um, this little bit shaped me. And it kind of, I feel like when you consume different music and you own that, it kind yeah. of allows you to push that boundary further. I like to think of yeah. it as like <clears throat> playing on somebody's playground in a sense of like, you're going to find a new game to play or you're going to find a new way to do something. But when you sometimes you get more creative when you're within that space that's been set up for you, you know? Yeah, it, right. It, can, it makes you stronger. Yeah. That's so Because awesome. I, I used to, I'm not, I'm not joking. I'm not trying to like, bs anyone but i used to be that that asshole would be like oh well look at how many songwriters were on that song it only took one songwriter to write my song that's fucking sorry pardon my language but that was so (laughs) elitist and just wrong and it came from i think a lot of insecurity Mm -hmm. when you're starting out and you have no one to tell you no validation whatsoever except for your own um it's easy to kind of tear down or uh, think that you're better, but like, yeah, now I look at songs with eight songwriters and I'm like, Oh, no wonder that song's really good. Right. They had a lot of eyes on it, you know, or uh, well, they had a lot of voices kind of helping. And there's, and what that's done for me over the course of my career is now I can look back with greater appreciation at certain artists who mm-hmm. I used to kind of dismiss. And now I'm like refinding like Lady Gaga. <laughs> For the longest time, I never listened to her because I was like, whatever, it's pop, you know, um, it's silly. It's not my thing. And now I go and listen. I'm like, dang, those are some hooks. And those are hooks that don't leave you. And whatever, there's a million musicians like that who I could talk about. That's just one. But anyway, yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, every band everybody writes their parts typically. So you end up with like at least like four to six people writing on a song anyway, technically. So it only makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. 
That's awesome. And thank you so much for sharing your thoughts on that. I went through a similar phase with pop, especially when I was younger. And now as an adult, I just appreciate more. So it's like, oh yeah, those people put in a lot of thought. That's really brilliant stuff. And to right. kind of, um, kind of jump off from that point and stuff, I'm curious about how, um, Antoniani kind of shaped the sound that you have. It feels like in your earlier music, oh, yeah. it's definitely got more of like the rocking vibe, but it feels like you've embraced so much to it now where there's like, it feels like at times like those layers of synths and kind of like the different waves of guitar and everything. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Tell Thanks me for about noticing. how you shaped that. Cause it's, it's gorgeous. Oh, thank you. Um, that's a great question. Cause what actually happened was about five years ago, um, I was like, so I, me, Sarah Pasias, uh, as a solo artist, I put out an album like, I don't know, almost 10 years ago. I don't know. Um, a little less than that. I was like 24 or something. I thought I was old at the time, but anyways, um, put it out kind of just whatever it was all acoustic guitar um one one or two head drums whatever um very much just me and then I always kind of had a man I wish there's something more or like you know you'd have people saying like oh what if you had you know more and I always kind of pushed it away I don't know part of it was that mindset like I can do it all which is not true and <laughs> I think I've matured a lot since then probably in the last year matured a lot but anyways I uh wanted to do more so I had a group of songs and I thought well I'll, I'll put out these songs under my name but I'll on it I met Kyle who's now our drummer and I met my friend Evan who played bass on our first record um or EP which is Lola Blaze and those songs Every song on Lola Blaze I had written years before I met those guys. Um, we got together and, and it was essentially like my songs with backing band. Um, and what's really funny is Austin, our guitar player, he is Kyle's brother, our drummer. And Austin would come to our practices and like, I'm not making this up. He would sit and read a book because I was the only guitar player. So it was a three piece, which is so funny. If you're talking about the evolution of our sound, Austin is a huge, huge, huge piece of that. Him and then he and I working together is like a big part of our sound now. But anyways, so we started out like that. And then some, somewhere along the line, like it was like, oh, duh, like Austin should play with us. And then we spent a lot of time between Lola Blaze and our next EP, which I think was the odds. Um, the odds were all beating me. Uh, really trying to like refine our sound. Not as much even as this album that's about to come out. But basically, once we added Austin, we started to really ask the important questions like, what do we want to sound like? what are we going to do with the skills that we have? Um, because I had to change my playing style completely, hundred percent. I was strumming, you know, an, an acoustic guitar for like 10 years, you know, just playing by myself, playing through every part, 
barely knew anything about dynamics. Um, just kind of had to rethink everything. It was unthinkable <laughs> to not play through the entire song. Um, and now there's plenty of verses where I'm playing like one note or not playing at all. So anyway, what was important was uh, Austin and I figuring out how our guitar parts were going to work together and realizing that in many cases, sparseness helped to create a space and tone was really important for that too. Cause you wanted to, we wanted to think about if this is the sound that's going to exist here, what, what is the quality of that sound? You know, like, how is that going to support the vocals? It was much more collaborative and it helped us to design the space of the song instead of just having what's there or just putting it there. Cause that's what belongs, if that makes sense. So Austin, Austin and I spent a lot of days, we called it, I think guitar Fridays. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. We would, <laughs> we would, we would, um, because the other guys would be working and sometimes, you know, schedules don't line up. We happen to both have Fridays off. I had a job where I had Fridays off. Um, and he did too. So we would just play guitar and figure out like the settings, you know, of what pedal at what part of the song. And so we, and of course, everyone helped to contribute as well. But um, we really focused on that because we wanted to be very intentional, mm-hmm. which is funny because you don't, it's not like I want to sit down and listen to a song and be analytical. Mm-hmm. It's actually like you do all that work so that when you listen to it, it just sounds right. And it sounds, you don't have to question it. Mm-hmm. And it took a lot of work to get to that place because, um, you know, no one, no one's going to like teach you how to do that. You kind of have to do a lot of, um, <sighs> What's the phrase I'm looking for when you try something and then it doesn't work? So you try another one and it doesn't work. And then you try again and then it doesn't work. Um, trial and error. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> I feel like that's um, kind of my whole life, especially with music. But there's a lot of trial, trial, trial and a lot of error, error, error. And you have to you just have to go through that if you want something good, in my opinion. Yeah. I'm sure there's geniuses who can sit. There are, I know that there are people who can just sit down and make a, you know, Billie Eilish and her brother probably could go 20 minutes and like make a perfect song, but <laughs> we had to work really hard just to figure out what we wanted and what was going to work. Um, and so the LP, which is self-titled Antonioni, um, a lot of the sounds on that album, um, took a long time to decide on. Um, not all of them, but for the most part, there, there are some little nuggets in there that were created in the studio, um, especially synth. I'm not a synth person, really. Um, that was mainly Austin and Ben, our bass player, mm-hmm. who understand the synth and how to use it. Um, and actually... The song we just put out, Puck, the synth at the end was played by our um, mixer and our producer for that song, Rick Hogue. He put it on and he's a big Elliott Smith fan. We've (laughs) talked about it a lot because he almost saw him live. Oh, wow. But he had to go see his girlfriend or something. It's a very sad story. 
very sad story. But anyways, he was inspired by Elliot Smith to put that on at the end of Puck. And so there's there's things like that. And um, I don't know if you got to listen to the song Strange to Them or mm -hmm. if that sounds familiar, but there's synth at the end of that where we we with Nick, our other producer, um, we put my vocals into this weird synth thing and then kind of I played around with it to fuck with the vocals. But anyways, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I answered, but there's a lot to our sound. Yeah. And it took a long ass time to figure out. We're still figuring it out for the next stuff. It's going to be different. I already wrote songs for the for the next stuff. And it's a uh, it's a little different. I love to hear that though. And I love to hear that you're kind of pushing yourself to play with more different sounds and stuff, because I can feel that there's this fine balance that you all have mastered within this record of designing the sound in a sense, that practice, that trial and error that you're talking about, but it yet it feels so natural and organic within every song. And that's just a testament to you practicing and getting that oh, exactly you. right. Because it feels natural within each and every track on the record. But at the same time, it's like, there's obviously it takes work to make something sound natural and like it's supposed to be there, you know? Yeah, thank you. And <clears throat> excuse me, that's another example of the final draft is not indicative of the work that went into it. Right. And just how many drafts there are. Some of those songs, there's probably like six or seven or eight or nine or 10 versions, mm -hmm. you know? Right. And it takes that to get things exactly how you want them to be. Right. Um, so knowing that that was kind of a part of your process, how did like your self-titled record start to come together? Maybe even from a lyrical standpoint, because I really love how much this record is about just like reclaiming your power over so many different things, like fears, mm. thoughts. And at some point it felt like characters who pose a threat to maintaining your power. Oh yeah. Thank you. Characters is a good um, way to put it, especially with the song like Puck where the the titles referencing a character Malcolmers re referencing a character Mary Bell yeah um well to be honest what you said about reclaiming power um basically I just went through a lot um in my personal life that has um just like when I was telling you when I was 12 and I and I was drawn to music because of the grief of losing um it was my aunt who passed away who was like a mom to me, um, dealing with that grief through music. It's very similar now. Um, I had just something really traumatic with a friend, um, where I was really close with someone who was also a musician who ended up doing something pretty much unimaginable. And he is in prison for life now. Um, and that really messed me up, but it also brought me into a lot of questions, you know, when it comes to, um, you know, what a person is capable of, but also like, what am I capable of? Um, what's inside of us? What's inside of me? So some, something like Mary Bell came out of that. Um, but then there were also like specific, just kind of nights where something happened and all of that was kind of coming down on me. I was living in Seattle. There was this guy who I had met playing music, <laughs> who was kind of harassing me. Well, not kind of, he was harassing me. I shouldn't downplay it. Um, but unfortunately, 
I wasn't the only one. He would message girls, um, horrible things, just not right in his mind. And, um, there was one night he had sent me one and it really just kind of pushed me over the edge, really upset me because, you know, it's easy. Uh, I really dislike when people are just like, you know, just brush it off, like whatever. And it's like easy to say that you could do that. But even when you're telling yourself like what he's saying is not true, just having to read that someone's saying that about you, you know, it kind of resonates inside or it almost like it like awakens something deep inside of you. That's kind of like responding to that and being like, oh, maybe that's maybe you are ugly and old. No one's going to ever like your music. You know what I mean? Um, That stuff infiltrates you, even if it's like something that you try to brush off, you know? Right. Which is why I never, I never want to be famous because, uh, or never, I never want to be a YouTuber or whatever. Cause I just wouldn't be able to handle the comments. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, big time. So anyways, he had sent me one and I, and I lived in a house with some guys. Um, the guy right next to me, he actually, uh, is in a band in Seattle too. Um, he had a Jaws poster outside his door that I would see every day. And, um, I just saw it right after that guy was fucking with me and I was feeling like shit. And I saw that poster, the Jaws poster. So I, that, this is one of the few songs like that, but I just sat down and I wrote that song strange to them. And I mentioned Jaws, I think. Yeah. I mentioned Jaws in that song. Cause I really did feel like, fuck, like I'm just being circled. Like, I feel like I'm in the water bleeding <laughs> and um it's just like that they can smell the blood and they're circling you sometimes it feels that way if you just feel like you're you know you're vulnerable and someone can can notice that and take advantage of it or sometimes even just being um a non-male is enough to kind of feel that way when you're around people so um yeah lyrically it was just questions like that um little instances like that there is a song on there that I wrote or we wrote um the words and stuff well I I wrote the words in the studio and that was um please make this that's the one that is kind of non-traditional um those words we're actually pretty inspired by Richard Hell. Um, Richard Hell, he was in television, another amazing band. But I just, I grew up listening to Richard Hell, and he has this song, Blank Generation, that I love, 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 love. And the first line is, I was saying, I was saying, uh, I think it's, I was saying, let me out of here before I was even born. It's such a gamble when you get a face. It's just a, really good song and I couldn't stop thinking about it. So that's why in that song, I, I kind of take from those lyrics a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah. So it was all across the board. It's kind of like a snapshot of a few years of just, um, getting through shit and, uh, reconciling it. Oh, one more song. I'm so sorry. One more song I want to talk about lyrically. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, love this stuff. So please go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Shiver. There's a song called Shiver and it's going to be our, our last single before the album comes out. And lyrically it might be my favorite 
because um, that song, I, so I used to teach high school um, literature, writing, and um, math, but um, I used to have to teach Dante's Inferno. Mm. And so whenever I'm teaching a book, I get really obsessed with it. And like, so I have a few songs inspired a little bit by books or plays or whatever I had to teach. Um, but I was just really into it because of his whole idea of like almost writing like a fan fiction, like a fantasy, you know, like he goes into hell, he's the character and all the people that he's met throughout life are characters, you know, in hell, whether they're being tortured or, you know, he has his idealized person who he's trying to get to through heaven, whatever. So Mm -hmm. in Inferno, you know, he goes through hell and when I wrote Shiver, it's essentially me recognizing that I have been through, but also will probably have to, you know, go through these horrible things. And sometimes I write a song so that can comfort myself um, when I play it, you know, or when I'm like singing it or whatever, because you're you're um, like filtering it through yourself. You know, every time you have to sing it, every time you have to play it, I think about this. So I'm like, what do I want to say over and over? (laughs) You know, Um, what is it that I want to like put through my body over and over? And so I try to put these like little pieces of hope in the songs or little like phrases that I want to say to myself or just that, you know, that I would want to hear but um so shiver is me trying to comfort myself a little bit Mm -hmm. through um because I was I was going through some pretty severe depression um I I've been dealing with depression for the past like five-ish years really right before I started the band um I was diagnosed but yeah so that song um I'll tell them off. I'm I'm just trying to say like, you're going to get these feelings. You're going to be journeying, you know, through hell, Mm -hmm. but you have to remember that you, you'll also get out of it. Yep. Because when you're in it, when you're in the middle of these episodes or times, you know, whatever you want to call them, it can be nearly impossible to remember that there was a, there will be a time when you won't feel this way. And if you get stuck in forgetting that, then you're in a really dangerous spot, you know? So that's kind of what Shiver means for me. Um, sometimes I think that's my favorite song on the album. <clears throat> Excuse me, just cause um, it's just very personal. Um, what do I say? Ha- yeah, half through our life, half through our life pulls into a comatose cold state. Yeah, the very first line of Dante's Inferno is half through um, our life something but I took the first uh like three words from it because I like that he said our life that's something that translators have differed on but it's it's mostly um considered to be that he wrote our life Mm -hmm. and uh anyways it's just I like that collective idea you know if I if we're all suffering through something sure so yeah it's mainly personal I've I've been 
oh God, there's one other song I should talk about. They never greatly flew, but I'll just say I'm, I was heavily, heavily inspired by um, writing through personal experiences um, and, and emotions. Um, and a lot of that is also because I studied poetry. That's why I got my degree in. And mainly I was really into confessionals. Mm, that's <laughs> so, interesting. Um, that's how I tend to write. Even if it's not autobiographical, I like that feeling because then you, a, a lot, similar to Kurt Cobain, even if it sounds like I'm writing about myself, when you read it, you're taking it for your own. So yes. anyway. That's, that's something I definitely did actually throughout listening to the record is a lot of these experiences that you're kind of articulating, whether they're directly personal or you have that Dante's Inferno kind of influence and stuff. It's interesting though, because it's like, it feels personal in a way that it's, it's both abstract and it's personal, right? Because yeah, yeah. it's, it's that so. beautiful balance. And I think that there are so many little pieces throughout the record that I personally started to latch onto and stuff. Like even whenever you open with like mouth breather and stuff, the whole, like I'm fostering it kindly, all the innocence inside me because I am happiest in hiding. Holy oh, shit. Yeah. That just like straight up musically slapped me across the face. Like, yep, you got it. You, this person, oh. this is a record you're going to connect with because there were so many moments like that throughout where I'm just kind mm. of like, that is something that is both personal to these songwriters, but also something that I universally have experienced. And you just have these little mm -hmm. nuggets throughout the record. And maybe it is because it's kind of like that, um, you know, it will be public kind of confessional in that mm -hmm. sense of like, you're being honest about experiences that a lot of us have had, like the way that Dante kind of was able to do as well, which is really cool. Thank you. Um, thanks for mentioning that about mouth breather because happiest in hiding mm -hmm. again when, when you're writing shit or you're writing songs or whatever you're making you're also making it for yourself so I don't yeah. feel bad saying this but that's one of my favorite lyrics on the album because wow. I I think that like daily you know or I'm just like yeah. some, and sometimes it's an okay thing mm -hmm. not and then sometimes I'm like questioning it I'm like maybe I should challenge myself yeah. Like I am happiest in hiding. Why? Maybe I, maybe whatever. So yeah. Um, it, it can mean different things in different days, but that song also has a lot of meaning for me just cause, um, I, in, in many ways I was fed up because mm -hmm. I was starting to, and this was like two years ago, but I was starting to almost question like, am, is just everything about me wrong or is my, is my line of thinking wrong? Why, it, why is whatever seems so obvious and right to me considered just the backwards or wrong or whatever? And again, contextually, some of this stuff is even going to be different just because this album was written way before, you know, the pandemic. Um, yeah. Which is kind of funny because I mentioned quarantine in a song. But anyways, <laughs> uh, so it even has different meanings now, but just think that the question of am I a or are we a dying breed? Because mm -hmm. I was like, is 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 what I value just not important? Is it not going to last? But I I don't I don't think that I don't think well I don't think so um, I don't think so. But <laughs> yeah, um, you you do. I think it's if anything, I just 
if I'm asking that, maybe other people are asking that. Absolutely. If anything, it's like it's entire aspects of whether it's the way you're thinking or it can even be something as simple as is like, well, this is a part of my personality or who I am. And like some people seem Mm -hmm. to think that's weird. Is that cool or not? Should I ditch that or whatever? Because that's what the world tells me is isn't cool or whatever. And Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. I went through a recent reckoning where I was just kind of like, you know what? Fuck that. I am who I am and I'm doing what I'm doing. And oh yeah. You know, and there's nothing wrong with any of it. So I don't know. It's just one of those situations where it's like hearing that particular line, particularly at the opening of the record, I was just kind of like, you know what? It's easy to just kind of like shove all that shit away and just quietly Mm -hmm. question myself and just stay contained as whatever little bit that I love about myself, but that's not, that doesn't work. (laughs) Just, just embrace it and step out into it. So I, I, and I feel like that's something that just kind of shown throughout certain parts of the record too. And like the juxtaposition about like the way that other people can experience and live like Malcolm in that sense of like the gentleman can act out totally torn in two, no solid mm. star. I was just kind mm-hmm. of like, whoa. So yeah, there's some people out there who can just kind of do whatever the fuck they want and have no consequences. Meanwhile, you're kind of like having to push back against that and feel like you, is it okay to be yourself? And that whole reckoning of like, you're enough is just oh, yeah. so freaking cool. Thank you for bringing up Malcolm as well, because that um, (laughs) I was thinking because I I've struggled, I think, being a being a woman with my role, you know, my gender role and just how I think that's total bullshit. I I don't want to go off on a rant here, but not I don't believe there's a lot that I just don't believe in, like labeling genders or sexuality is just so um, not not the labeling itself, but just the way that um, I'm a little bit older, which is, first of all, just dumb to say, but let's just say I'm not in my 20s. <laughs> so when I was growing up, these fucking gender roles were so defined and so strict. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That, um, and I think a lot of people have experienced this, even if you're younger, I'm sure you've experienced this. And it's so infuriating from childhood to now, yep. the way that men have treated me as a musician, as a person as a thinker, as an expressor, um, that when I see, um, the way I was raised to be quote unquote, and I'm talking all aspects from media to your parents who were inspired by even older generation. Um, it was all really fucked up. And so what, what really pisses me off is that now that I'm a little bit older, even when I was a little bit younger, but now that I'm a little bit older, it's like, if I act a certain way, it's like, I'm a bitch. Or, um, if I choose to dress a certain way, you know what I mean? And then I see, especially in music, especially in music. Oh my God. Don't even get me started on male fronted bands. When you see how men are allowed to, and encouraged to act on stage, off stage, their personas, everything. It's fucking bullshit. 
that they don't get the same level of scrutiny. I'm not saying that they should, but it's just an example. You know what I'm saying? So like I would see guys acting a certain way and they get treated like they're cool as shit. Whereas me, I'm getting questioned like, or basically told to be a little bit nicer or maybe dress a little bit nicer. You know what I'm saying? So like with Malcolm or yeah, men, men act out, they can act however the fuck they want. Mm-hmm. No problem. That's cool. You know, they're, that's cool. And then with girls or I should say non-males, um, it's just a completely different story. Um, and so f- when I ask who controls you, when I was really thinking was when it comes to toxic masculinity, which I believe is the root of every, probably every problem ever <laughs> on yeah. earth. Um, when it comes to toxic masculinity, and everything that it encompasses, Mm -hmm. who controls you, I think is a good question because it's this passed down, made up, fucking socially constructed BS that doesn't even need to be there. Right. Um, And you're benefiting from, anyway. They changed the rules every 75 years anyway. I mean, like. Yeah. So I'm like, Boys wore pink I'm 75 like, years ago and they thought it was like the ultimate peak of masculinity for God's sake. So I'm just like, y'all just change the rules every 75 years anyway. Why don't we just drop them all together? <laughs> yeah. 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 Cause it's really just to benefit you and right. Right. So at least I'm making my own decisions. At least I'm, and I've always been very stubborn and very, um, Uh, I don't want to use the word difficult, but just, I I won't go down without questioning, without a fight. I even just saw like my fifth grade, uh, I just was looking at my family, um, like book of memories or whatever. And I had like this, I was like student of the week in sixth grade. And the reason was because I didn't like a book and I explained everything that I didn't like about it. And I was like, Oh God, that sounds like me. That's exactly what I, I do. That. <laughs> um, yeah, and and so I think sometimes people get a little tired of that. But I'm always trying to question, like, why, why, yeah. and why can't I just be me? Why can't? Um, so, anyways, yeah. With the, um, all right, yeah. Do you fear what you found? Like, is this a little? I don't know who I'm talking to there, but some sometimes, yeah, it's just. It's just an important thing to bring up. Um, I'm just thinking about what else I go through in that song. There's actually a line from a Twilight Zone episode in that song, even though I have a song on the record named after a Twilight Zone episode. Because what happens in this episode called Nothing in the Dark is this guy begs this elderly woman to let her into his house and she doesn't want to because she's so shut off she doesn't ever let anyone in because she's afraid of dying she thinks death's going to trick her but he um he's like gravely injured he's a soldier or whatever and he's like i really need in so he's the devil or he's death sorry spoiler alert he's death and she realizes it and at the end he just says like something like almost exactly don't sue me twilight zone i'm sure it's too old now but almost exactly what he says to her he says something like um like see it's not that bad it's um 
I don't remember what he says. So it's one of the lines that's either like uh, what you thought would explode or whatever. But he's like, see, it's not that bad if you just embrace it. And uh, I took that and kind of rearranged the meaning a little bit. So in that song, it's kind of like, if you see what I am and what what people can be other than just what your narrow vision is, um, they can they can do really well they can do really well. I had, I was kind of thinking about, you know, I had like guys I dated who told me like, if I wanted to be taken seriously as a musician, I need to dress nicer on stage. And I'm not making that up. And part of me was kind of like, well, I did wear a hat, you know? And, and then the other part of me is like, well, who's laughing now? Because I'm doing things the way I want. And right. it's really, it's not like the world's not ending because I, I look this way or whatever, act this way. Right. That was a long rant. Sorry. No, that's one. This is what podcasts are for. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I always tell people. And also like, that's extremely important though, to be able to just like really represent and embrace yourself ultimately in the way that best feels good to you. And like, sometimes it's so hard to do. It is very hard to do. And it's something that, you know, you can't, we're humans. We can't do that nonstop mm-hmm. every day and always feel good about yourself. That's just not possible, but, you know, do it right. to the best of your ability and question shit and make sure mm-hmm. that you're doing what it is that makes you feel the best. And that's not always going to happen, but do the best you can, I guess. And it's such a, like yeah. a weird way of saying it, but that's really all you can do for yourself ultimately. And yeah. And it's, I, it's a battle. It can be a battle. Yeah. I do really like that you brought up the Twilight Zone. That's one of the most like, to me, that's one of the Mm. OG fandoms in a sense of like Mm -hmm. the way that it's serialized and the different stories that you're kind of telling. But like, I like that you kind of let the things that you're passionate about kind of seep into this record in a sense. I mean, we talked about Dante's Inferno earlier. You brought up, you know, how Nothing in the Dark, the song is a reference to Nothing in the Dark, the Twilight Zone and stuff. Yeah. Um, I thought that was really cool that you did that. And also, thank you. Like, there's some really interesting, weird music stuff going on within that song, actually. Like, I love the way that the sound is just structured in some really gorgeous ways. And I like the way that the vocals kind of layer in with the synth and the guitars and stuff. It just felt like otherworldly. Is that something? I'm sorry, you're which song are you talking about? Uh, Nothing in the Dark. Oh, okay. Yeah. I haven't listened to that song in a while. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think this is probably the case for, I mean, maybe not everyone's as self-critical, mm-hmm. but um, it's probably a case for a lot of musicians, but I have, there's still parts of the album I'm, all I can hear is the mistake or, or the mm-hmm. per- perceived like mistake or what I would change. And that song was a struggle um, to record and to end up happy with. Mm-hmm. So uh I, I also, I don't know, I had a lot of like internal questions about that song. Mm-hmm. It happens with songs, sometimes for no reason, but even wondering if it was like good enough to put on the record, you know, things like that. And when it comes to the sounds and the layering and stuff, uh, a lot of that was just kind of having fun at the end, especially if you're talking about the end of the song. Yeah. Um, but it a lot of that came from playing in the studio Mm -hmm. at that time because I think 
it's a song where we felt, or at least me, if I feel a little bit lost about, because I, a lot of the songs I write, um, like the skeleton, maybe just, you know, like the main melody or whatever, the, the verse, chorus, verse, chorus structure. And that was a song where we had a skeleton, but then I kept changing the melody and then this and that. So it was a place where as a full band, we didn't work on it as much as I just kind of sat and wrote and rewrote and rewrote in my room. And then when we took it to the studio, we just got to play at the end with just whatever kind of sounded good to us at that moment. That's interesting. Well, I can tell you as a listener, I deeply enjoyed what you put into that song and how it landed within the record. I know that I've talked to many musicians and they're kind of like, I don't know about this one on the record or was it it really what I was meant to do or whatever, but I think it fits beautifully and everything that you put in there is fantastic. Um, Thank you. Yeah, of course. And I know that you mentioned Shivers being a song that's kind of close to you in that sense, but like, Mm -hmm. do you have like a favorite song on the record that you're like, yeah, I can't wait to play this one live or like, this is, this one's my baby. Oh my gosh. Um, First of all, I'd have to look at the track listing again. I honestly (laughs) uh, don't remember. Hang I got, okay. So it's mouth breather, Shiver, Malkler, Marybelle, Puck. I think I've mentioned every song except Ramble. Um, well, you know, playing live, it's mm-hmm. definitely uh, got to be Puck. I just love playing that song. It was a song that was, I love any song that was difficult to figure out how to play live. And then we figured it out um, yeah. cause it feels good to play. Usually when we play live shiver and puck are together cause they're in the same tuning. Um, Ooh. and it's just such a good, like one, two bang to play. It's so fun. Mm-hmm. And I love playing in that, that particular tuning. Um, but when it comes to songs like that, it's not even a single, but a song that I'm excited to like have out is probably strange to them. Oh yeah. Um, just because I don't know I really like that song I don't know what it is about it but I enjoy it we've never played it live so yeah maybe someday (laughs) (laughs) yeah someday (laughs) years from now oh it feels like it god this pandemic needs to be over please because I want to be able to experience these songs live honestly I'd come out to y'all out in Washington to watch them once it's safe to because they're so incredible um, what's something you really want your listeners to get out of this, um, self-titled record? <laughs> when I, yeah, so that's a tough one. Cause again, a part of me, oh, look at my incense up there. It looks cool. It does. Um, part of me, Part of me is like, I hope they want to hear more because I have more songs I'm writing, <laughs> but Definitely. That's, that's kind of Check. funny because <laughs> I don't know when that's going to happen or whatever. When are we going to get to play? Uh-huh. Um, usually I don't, I don't like to think too, too much about what people think because mm-hmm. I've heard what people think and sometimes people think you're shit and they'll just tell you, you know what I mean? Or they'll be like, um, this was an actual email we got. Uh, the song took too long to start. I turned it off before the vocals even began. 
Ew. So I'm who like, takes well... the time to write that crap? <laughs> like, what an asshole. Uh, just people, you know. Uh, it's funny. I think it's funny because I'm like, uh, have you ever listened to The Cure? Like, they'll go two minutes without him singing and his voice is great. So it's not like, what, your vocals aren't good enough? I don't know. So sometimes I just, I take it all with a grain of salt. Even sure. if people are like, you know, because it's like, I, if I sat and thought what, about what people thought about what I was making, I wouldn't make anything mm. and I wouldn't finish it. That's for sure. Um, that's, there's, there's an interesting thing you have to learn, right? About how to, how to take criticism and what it means and how to not take things too personally, but also realize that you do need to get better in certain ways. Sure. And also how to <clears throat> navigate just intentions or where people are coming from and all that. But at the end of the day, if I'm just like simplifying it and not overthinking like I do with everything, um, I would just want people to enjoy it and to feel that it is genuine. Mm -hmm. There's so much, you know, music out there that you don't need to listen to us. You know what I'm saying? Like you go your whole life and you're going to find new music every day. You don't have to listen to us, but I just want people to feel like they can connect with what I'm throwing out there because mm -hmm. um, I know, you know, it's uh, I don't know, I've, I've always felt like it's less about writing good songs and more about expressing mm -hmm. and that comes with the hope of connection. And I, I, don't know, I just want people to feel connected with something like even you saying you remembered a lyric. And to me, that's like, holy shit, yeah. like, that's really cool. And it makes me happy because that's what music was for me you know when I was growing up and having like a really hard time music was my obsession yeah and it helped me so yeah it'd just be cool to to have people connect with it and maybe feel like it uh is doing something for them I don't even have to hear what they have to say <laughs> you know just yeah if if I can pretend like that's happening <laughs> Once it is and then keep going all the good stuff is happening and it's definitely coming especially that connection aspect of it because i i connected very deeply with it and i know for a fact that there will be a lot more who a lot more people out there who do that's for sure so oh, thank you yeah of course um i'm kind of curious what mm -hmm. are some things you're hoping to accomplish as a band in the next year or so um yeah. i know you're, you're writing some music <laughs> and stuff and i know that yeah. like COVID's made things weird, but like we can even go beyond a year or two if you want. Of like, just what sure. do you want to do as Antonioni? Sure. As Antonioni. Um, well, you know, this last year has been, I'm sure a lot of people feel this way, but for me, it's been the hardest and craziest year of my life. Mm -hmm. It changed so much that, um, I feel I'm turning into a new chapter Yeah. after this album is out. Um, <clears throat> sorry. So my, the, the only thing I can say, I know for sure is I'm never stopping. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, it, you know, um, I'm never going to stop making music, never going to stop writing songs. 
never going to stop playing songs because that's just what I do. Um, And that's how I get through. Um, This year has been hard because I haven't had that same outlet. Sure. And I miss, I miss getting together with the guys so, so much. That was everything. Um, So I, I know it will continue to be a part of my life big part of my life um but I just I honestly can say I don't know I don't know what's coming I don't know what uh you know before the pandemic my I was uh very driven in in terms of what I wanted to accomplish with the band one of my goals was to get on an indie label and we did, yeah. which is, try not to use that word. It's bananas to me because <laughs> um, not only because I, I never really think anyone's going to like what I'm doing, just naturally, I don't think that because I always want to try to get better. So I try not to, <laughs> I try not to get too content in myself. Um, sure. But so that was kind of shocking that someone actually liked it. Aaron at Lauren Records. Uh And when that happened, I was like, it happened right before, like either, either in the first week or right before the first ever like quarantine. Wow. So it was like really weird timing. Um, But it just went to, it just goes to show like, I can't predict. Mm -hmm. I can only work towards like, cause another goal I had was I want to tour forever. I want to, I want to go all over the place, you know, different countries and just like play because the community aspect and meeting other musicians and meeting people in other cities um who love music um there's nothing like that touring and playing new places playing with new people meeting new people through music and doing that every day is something that I would do every fucking day if I could. And now that's not an option. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I can't predict. I've I've had some existential crises, I guess you could say. Um, Because I also have a career in education. Mm -hmm. um, And so, so does actually our drummer. He just got a job this year he's been working at a high school teaching art. Um, I work at an elementary school right now and I want to continue working in education uh, cause it's really important to me. Um, so I, I might go back into teaching or I, I've even thought about um, maybe doing counseling or mental health in the school system. But so I, I want to continue to focus on that as well. It's not all just music. Mm-hmm. I guess when it comes to me, I guess that's more personal, but um so I don't know, you know, whether that means taking some time back, uh, waiting till we could, you know, do more touring. I don't know, because part of that is you do have to keep momentum, you know, you have to keep playing. Um, but that that constant hustle was kind of pulled out from under us, yeah, so to speak. And it's um, realigned a little bit my vision. Um, cause when I, when I started this band, I just wanted to have a way to make music, if that makes sense. Um, 
because like I said, like, I just, I'm like, I always have these songs. I have these songs. I need to do something with them. And that's not going to stop. I, even if I tried to not write songs, I, I would end up writing something, you know? So, and I, and I always want to share it. So then I'm going to have to start a band. So it's like, it almost feels inevitable, but um, things are changing and have changed so much that it's going to be a new chapter for sure. Yeah. Um, and I've been, I've been living at home. I mean, I'm not too proud to say I had to move in with my parents, um, because such and such pandemic. Yeah. And, uh, I started to have a lot of mental health problems, um, over the summer ish, just, just a lot was going on, you know, and a lot was changing and I, when I'm feeling those ways, I start to think, you know, maybe I shouldn't even be in a band. I shouldn't even be sharing music. Um, I should just, well, happiest in hiding, you know, I should just go like into a corner sure. and never put myself out there. And there was one day when I was thinking that, and then I saw, um, this like paper, I um, like a prescription paper for my dad and it said Antonio on it. And I saw that and that's my band name is Antonioni. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I saw that, I just kind of clicked in my brain. I was like, no, I have to do this. There's a reason I'm doing this. There's a reason, you know, I'm trying to like carry on and represent who I am and that's not going to stop. So even if, even if I said like, uh, I quit music. That's just not going to happen. <laughs> so I don't know. The answer is I have no idea what's coming. Um, but my, my, my vision has shifted a bit just, mm-hmm. you know, to kind of align with what's, what we're capable of right now. Yeah. And I, and I, so I don't feel let down and I won't feel let down if that continues to change, but I'm not going to stop putting music out ever hopefully well I hope that you just keep releasing music because it's really impactful and important and honestly wherever direction your vision shifts I hope nothing but positive momentum for you because this is really awesome stuff that you're doing and it's really important thank you yeah of course um you know I always like to ask this question of folks to kind of give them maybe like that little bit of vision perhaps or just even just positive fun thinking in a sense of like, if you could play a show with any three bands, they can be currently active or you can bring them back from the dead. Who would you want Antonioni to play with? Like if it was tomorrow. Yeah. You can have it be tomorrow and it can be anybody. Mm -hmm. Okay. So how many bands? Three. Oh my gosh. Well, okay. So this is my fantasy show. I'm about to put it on. It's tomorrow, which I miss. Oh, oh, I miss shows. There's such a ritual, right? Even like getting dressed, you know, for everything about it. Yeah. Getting ready for it. What are you going to eat? What are you going to drink? Yeah. Anyway, so (laughs) let's say we're playing a show. If it's my dream show, I almost want to say house show because those are the most fun, but Mm -hmm. With everything going on, I probably want to support a venue. So (laughs) 
I would put it at the Sunset because that's my favorite Seattle local venue. Shout out to the Sunset. They're amazing. You can buy the merch online, I think. Cool. Um, they're just tops, my fave. Just so supportive and so cool. And they redesigned their rooms so you could enjoy the music even better. Anyways, so it'd be at the Sunset. <sighs> So I definitely want to play with Black Ends, who are our pals in Seattle, because we've actually, I think we played like our last few shows with them. Oh, um, nice. And, and a little, a few before then as well, but I just love playing with them. Check them out. They're really good. Um, their sound. And if you want to talk about sound, like there's a band that it just sounds effortless, but it's but it sounds like effortless, but meant to be this way. It's just so freaking cool. Um, and you can't help but um, listen when when they're on or they're playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fucking love them. And then... Well, it's hard because you have all these friends. You don't, you know, if I'm picking three, <laughs> I don't want to hurt any feelings, but definitely Black Ends. <laughs> I'm kind of leaning right now towards Beverly Crusher just because I just watched them play um, a gig online mm-hmm. and they're our pals too. Um, and I think we might've met them just because we both worked through Den Tapes, which mm-hmm. is like a tape collective here in Seattle. Um, mm-hmm. And they're just badass. And um, Kozel, their guitar player, like the, the lead man, he sometimes he has this transparent guitar. Oh, and he's so good. It's it's so good. And it's just super like, like you have to move when they're playing. I love that. And the third, see, I don't know. There's so many. There's so many. And I'm thinking, I, even if I could be, oh, like Nirvana, like I'd have to pick a band I've played with just because those are some of the best times of my life. Seeing yeah. these bands that I don't get to see anymore, playing with them. Mm-hmm. And th- so the third one, I don't. I don't know. You know, I don't know. Um, I miss, I miss playing with, oh gosh. That one. Ah, um, okay. The third band I would pick, if I had to pick right now, I'd pick Rakoma. Mm. I'd pick Rakoma. They're from Seattle as well. We've played with them before and they put out a record during 2020. So did Black Ends. Um, their EP was called Stay Evil. Really good. Go, go listen to it, I swear, right after this, because it's really good. And then go listen to Rakoma's album. Um, I think it's called This Front Room. Um, beautiful. And I personally think it's underrated because it sounds so good and their songs are so good. To me, they're like... Um, so Black Ends is kind of like... Uh, they describe themselves as gunk pop. It's like... Mm-hmm. Um, kind of sludgy guitars but like really cool heavy sound and Rakoma to me kind of reminds me more like um they're they'd probably kill me if they heard me say this but if the crowning if the counting crows were good like really good Mm -hmm. that's what Rakoma (laughs) reminds me of because I love music like that um yeah it's like pretty and, and a little bit a little bit softer a touch of country yeah sound but also like that alt rock feeling and it definitely for me it gives me vibes to bands that 
maybe people don't like like counting crows but good but actually good good songwriting Mm -hmm. yeah anyways and they're just when you when you see them play like glenn the lead guy like and same with nicole and even kozel like anyone who's playing and you watch them and they look like they're hypnotized or they're entranced by it yeah it's fucking good you know what i'm saying yes and it gets you into it and it's all real like all that is like yeah so definitely the vibes of beverly crusher meeting like the intensity of black ends and then that kind of like heartfelt racoma that'd be my show and then us somewhere in there (laughs) (laughs) this lineup sounds like fun yeah it'd be really good i'm just saying You've given yeah. me a ton of really awesome bands to check out. So thank you so much for sharing that. And that's why I, 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 that's one of my hobbies is just name dropping bands that people yeah. should listen to because they're good. They're yeah. good. There's so many more, but anyway, yeah. I love it. Well, I hope you all get to play that gig once everything is settled again and it's safe too, because it sounds like a really try to fun get time. that gig going. Yeah. Yeah. I'll try. We'll set the intention now. So that way when the time comes, it's just <laughs> it's like, out let's there do in the this. universe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's been so much fun hanging out with you, Sarah, and talking about everything for Antonioni. Where can everybody keep up with y'all on the internet and find your music? Well, if you're on social media, we're there. Uh, Instagram is probably our main one. We're on Twitter. That's just me being dumb, honestly, but I'm on Twitter. Um, and then if you want to listen, you know, pretty much everywhere you can listen to music. Um, whoop, are you there? Yep. Okay, my battery uh, reminder went on. Oh, no worries. Anywhere you want to listen, Bandcamp um, is a good place to go if you want to purchase. You know, we're on Spotify, we're on Apple Music. Um, I think, I've never used Apple Music, but it's on there. Um yeah, your typical places, you know. And if you want to go to Lauren's website, Lauren Records, um, you can pre-order the album there. I think you can also pre-order it on Bandcamp. But uh, anywhere you go, social media, I try to make the link really easy to find. There will be a link there where you can just find everything in one little package. Awesome. Everybody, please be sure to support Antonioni. Their new record, their self-titled record is fantastic. You won't want to turn it off. Thanks so much for hanging out, Sarah. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me.
Antonioni. Thank you so much to Sarah for joining this week to do a deep dive on the record. Be sure to buy and stream Antonioni's debut self-titled album on Lauren Records, available on March 26th. That's it for this week, but you can always keep up with Angry Girl music of the indie rock persuasion online. Find episodes, links, articles, and more at angrygirlmusic.com. Get in touch with me through email at angrygirlmusic at gmail.com or on Twitter and Instagram at at angrygirlmusic. If you're interested in being a guest on the pod, reach out and let's chat about what you're working on. Pledge your support for Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion on Patreon at patreon.com slash angrygirlmusic. Special thanks to our monthly patrons Molly O'Malley, Kendra Mamula, Carly Commando, John Kitsy Kitzmiller, Henderson Cole, and Erica Fries. Thanks for listening. Until next time, stay angry and keep creating to bring your ideas to life. Bye for now. <laughs>